every single week when we did Demand Gen Live, the clips that got cut up for Chris's talking head stuff, I would pick one of those topics and create an entertaining skit around the exact same topic. So like, again, it's about repetition and it's about hitting people with the same message in various ways so it sticks. If you're at an early stage or growth stage VC-backed startup, you're in the right place. Season one and two, I brought on startup founders, marketing and sales leaders to explore brand demand, what approaches work well, challenges and category design. For season three, we're going deep into messy creative experiments, marketing innovation, pushing boundaries, how to make creativity achievable at a growing startup, why it's so important today, balancing creativity with results, and how to sell the CEO on the creative stuff. I'll also talk to creatives like artists and writers to understand their approach to creativity and what we can learn and apply to marketing at our startups. See you inside. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Modern Startup Marketing Podcast. And we're going to get a little bit funny today. Funny, funky. I don't know if Todd Todd Clouser is here with me today. And I'm excited because he's got a little bit of a different flavor. I'm sure he's going to bring to the show. And that's why I wanted him on here, because we are getting creative. We are pushing marketing boundaries. And that is exactly what Todd likes to do. So welcome, Todd. Thanks for having me. You're you're putting me on the spot here. Now I feel like I have to be funny. (laughs) Well, we just talked about how you're growing out that beard for, you know, you're going to be a Viking or something similar to that. And it really like completes the look for you. Yeah, it's gone on too long, but I need like another three inches on it before I can film this skit. So filming the skit. okay? so see, like, Todd, you just I love how you like get into character, like truly get into character by growing out this beard of yours. So I just want to give people a little bit of a background on you, Todd. So Todd Clouser. This is what you have on LinkedIn, so I'm not making fun of you, okay? Todd Clouser is the worst marketer in the world. He's at Lavender, and he's the co-host of the Cheat Codes podcast. So go ahead, check that out. Prior, Todd held marketing leadership roles at Refine Labs, which is, if you haven't heard of them, or Chris Walker, it's a demand strategy and research firm for B2B growth stage startups. So welcome to the show, Todd. I've had Will Allred was on the show. He joined me, I think it was like the December 2022. He's the co-founder and COO of Lavender, and he joined me for episode 130. This was before Lavender got their next round of funding, or at least it was before it was announced. And the, sh- the episode is titled, How We Get 35% to 50% Response Rates from Our Sales Emails. So listen to that one if that sounds interesting to you. So Todd, before we get into questions, if people don't know about Lavender, it was founded in 2020. How many people is it now? Because you guys got that funding round and I think it was like eight people and then you joined and more folks joined. Is it 10 people? How many people is it now? Don't quote me on this, but I believe we're right around like 18, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, way more than I thought. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm quoting you on this because guess what? This is recorded. (laughs) So it's 
you're being quoted. <laughs> but 18 people, that is awesome. And um, Series A funding round was raised. So 13.2 million total. And Lavender is the number one sales email assistant. Write better emails, get more replies. 9.9 out of 10 on G2, 10,000 plus users, likely way more now. So welcome to the show, Todd. And let's just kick it. Let's talk about creativity and I want to learn more because you're a creative guy. What does creative mean to you? I'm going to boil this down really simply because I don't think we need to overcomplicate this. Like creative, whether it's in a marketing sense or, or any sense, really, is it's simply being able to grab your audience's attention and hold it. So when people think creative, they automatically think like entertainment and things like that. But like, it doesn't have to be that. To me, it's being able to hold your someone's attention or, or grab it and then hold it. And now, depending on who that person is, maybe entertainment is the best way to do that. Maybe it's like straight up talking head style and you're just like spitting facts like that. That's another way of creative. But I think like to boil it down, that's what it is at its core. And like the secret is figuring out what that method or concept that you want to use to hold that person's attention. So like, I like to boil it down into three types of content. So like at the core of any content, you have insightful substance, whether that's just that insightful substance or whether it's like a creative skit that you see me do. Like if you look hard enough, if I did my job, you should still find some sort of substance in there. So like that should be like first and foremost within any piece of content. So type two is you have your insightful substance and you deliver that through an interesting format. So like you have a marketing audience. If people know Pape Lies, do you even resonate? Like that is a prime example of type two content because he's still delivering like very insightful substance, but there's this format that he applies to it. It's almost like a series, like you could call it a show because he repeats that format every single time where he uses the tool to like go through and review website message testing. So like that's a format that makes it a little more like creative or entertaining or grabs your attention. I was going to ask you, who are you talking about? But you said Pep and now I know who it is. Yes. Yeah. And then finally, like the last one that people mostly know me for is the type three stuff. So it's, a, again, the insightful substance interesting format. And now it's just built on an entertaining concept. So like, that's where like that entertainment comes in. And again, like all types of creative content applied differently to different situations, to different targets to achieve whatever goal you're trying to achieve. So the levels that you mentioned, three types of content, does it start with like level one and then you get a little bit more better at it and then you get to level two with the format and then you get to level three with the entertainment, which is hard to do because usually it's cringeworthy if you're trying to entertain? No. So that's why we call them types. And not, originally we called them level one, level two and level three. Okay. The reason we call them types is because it's not like you're graduating from one to the next because like at the end of the day, like it all comes down to the purpose of your content. So like which type is going to best achieve the purpose behind your content. So like, for instance, if I create a content series with the, we call this, think of like top-down strategic narrative. Like my goal is to change the minds of 
strategic decision makers in my target organization. Like type three entertaining content is not the best delivery mechanism to like do that. In that situation, I'm going to lean into like a type one type of content, maybe a type two. Now, if I'm successful in doing that, let's pretend like the my target organization is bought in. They like agree with this strategic mindset shift. They adopt it. Now they have to implement it. But like the people a step below them that actually have to do like the tactical implementation of this strategy, they're not going to get that information from like strategic narrative content. Like they need a level below that, which is going like we call middle out implementation. It's like how to content. So like, how am I best going to execute how to content? Again, maybe it's type one, maybe it's type two, but again, like type three may or may not be the best option for that. You come down one level below that. It's like, we call it bottom up evangelism. So like if the purpose of your content is to like evangelize end users of your product, I have a story about the, like a personal story about this. Like then that's where that entertainment content like really comes into play. Like this works, this works, this is super effective in like really crowded categories where nobody's differentiated on product because everybody copies each other. The prices are all relatively the same. The only two options are one niche down or two, like differentiate yourself on content and like building that affinity through content, like type three is a really, really good way to do that. Awesome. Thank you for going through that. And is this something you, t- you probably talk on your podcast, right? Yeah. So we, uh, my podcast co-host and co-founder of mine, we actually built out like a framework around all this. We call it the easy mode framework. So yeah, that's where all this stuff comes from. And, and it's basically like we sat down and we, we thought through like how we think about content and how that gets applied to a B2B company and like where those things fit. And that's essentially how it was built. Hey, it's Anna, the host of Modern Startup Marketing, the show that you're listening to. I'm also the founder of Firminov Marketing Consulting. People call me the Marie Kondo of startup marketing because I help early stage startups clean up their marketing mess with the right strategy and execute with laser focus. So whenever you're ready, there are three ways I can help. One, as a fractional startup CMO, I've had over 25 happy clients and mentees. Two, you can sign up to get my monthly newsletter where I'm sharing playbooks and insights and maybe cracking some jokes. And three, you can sponsor this top 10% podcast and get startup founders, marketers, and VCs hearing about your brand. And now back to this episode. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, I want to talk about your entertaining content for a second because I notice it, other people notice it. A lot of people make educational content on LinkedIn. You're making entertaining content and it actually gets people to like engage and chuckle at your videos. Like what's your secret, Todd? Do you have like a creative process you follow? And then I want to ask you about like the result. How does that translate to results? Yeah, so it really all comes back to kind of what we just talked about, like with Initially, it's the mindset shift with the type one, type two, type three stuff, and then figuring out the purpose. But like when it comes down to like actually like ideating new concepts for content, that's kind of where I start, which is like, what is the objective? What am I trying to accomplish with this piece of content? So once you figure that out, again, you go back to the format. What's the best format that's going to achieve that? And then like, honestly, 
when you first start creating like entertaining content, the easiest thing to do is to go back in like mainstream media and just like analyze and see what works. Like one of the things that like people know me for is the series that I did called Worst Marketer in the World. Like I was at a point where like I was creating a ton of original content. It was taking like a lot of time because they were all like very thought out. They were all original. Like, and I got to a point where like I was just burnt out. Like it took a lot of brain power. So I was on a phone call with Obed, my partner, and I was like, listen, man, I either have to take a break or I got to figure out like a series that I can do that is like repeatable. And there's, there's not so much effort in like coming up with what it's going to be. Right after that call, I kind of came up with the idea that I'm just going to like knock off the old Dos Equis, most interesting man in the world commercials. And like, that's how the worst marketer in the world was born. The beauty behind that was that I could literally, like, it's a very structured series, right? Like, I could literally, like, just brain dump the top, like, 50 things that I thought were, like, not good marketing practice and then just put them into that format. So, like, it starts out, it's like a voiceover, like, he once did X, look at the camera, make, like, a witty comment about it change the camera direction. And then it, it shoots to me saying like, I always don't do X, but when I do, I do Y. And like 15 minutes, like knock it out every single day. So like in the beginning, it's important to like find a repeatable process. And then as you do that, you'll get feedback. Like when I first started creating TikTok content, like I said, I was having to think of everything like right off the bat, off the top of my head. And once I got to a point where like, people started recognizing that like I was doing this entertaining stuff, I would literally just ask my audience, like, what do you want to see? And like, I would say probably like 30 to 40% of the stuff that I've done is literally just, oh, you should take that concept and plug in, you know, like this show. Cause like I always do, everything I did was always based around a series. So like I did, if B2B marketing did, like fill in the blank. So like I did, um, if B2B marketing did documentaries, if B2B marketing did the five o'clock news, like whatever. So like in that instance, I would be like, Hey, what do you want to see on if B2B marketing did next? And I'd get like, if B2B marketing did honey, I shrunk the kids or if B2B marketing did like food network shows, like people would just say like, you need to do this. And like your audience is always going to be like your best generation tool for ideas. Yeah. Gives you insights. I love that you do everything based on a series. I had Katie Mitchell on the show and she talked about how she basically red lines. If anybody mentions webinar, she hates that word. And so she like crosses it off and is like, think of something else. Think of something else. It's got to be a series. It's got like, think of a movie, think of a TV series, think of courses, anything, don't call it a webinar because like she's just got this um, aversion to that because she just doesn't want it to be boring. So I think that kind of aligns with how you think about creating this, these videos in a series format because people actually do watch like a TV series, they get really into it and they know you, you end up producing it and they stay with you and like you get their attention, right? Which ties back to the beginning of the episode you first have to get their attention and then they stay with you and retain that attention. Well, I think the the beauty of the series too, and this came to me as I got more into like creating on TikTok. 
because my background is YouTube, like long form YouTube. But when I started creating more on TikTok, I realized that like I did a bunch of these one-on-one calls with people in February of last year. Like I put my calendar out and said, if you want to, if you're interested in getting onto TikTok and you don't know how, let me know and we'll, we'll meet for 20 minutes. And when that happened, I talked to a lot of these people and they, whatever the circumstance would be, they would be like, Hey, do you, do you know, like a person on TikTok that you can, as an example of whatever I just talked about. And I realized that like every time that came up, I had no idea what the person's actual name was, but I could be like, Oh, he's the guy that does those like green screen, funny office videos. Like I could explain the, the, the concept behind his series, but I had no idea who the actual person's name was. And then like by repetition and like seeing this stuff over and over again, like now I know that that guy's name is like Frankie LaPena, but in all of these conversations, I had no idea what his name was, but I could find him based on that concept. The content. Yeah. So what's your goal? Like, why did you create these funny videos on LinkedIn? Like how, what were you looking for? How did they translate into some results for you? The reason I started creating the entertainment stuff was when Refine Labs brought me on, two of the core objectives were get TikTok started and get YouTube uh, ramped up. So when I came on, I had run a YouTube channel for 10 years. I'd been on, I'd been on camera at that point once. Like I hated, absolutely hated being on camera. It's actually a funny story. When I went through the interview, they gave me a, a podcast and said, like, if you had to distribute this, like, what are going to be your your top channels? I made a specific slide that said not TikTok. And I gave the reason of like, you know, our buyers aren't there. But really, it was because I just didn't want to be on camera. But then when I came on, they were like, okay, we're doing TikTok. So I knew that I had to like lead that initiative by getting on camera myself. And I also knew that I had to, because this was a year and a half ago, and I knew that I had to convince the overall community that TikTok wasn't just for like dancing and random comedy content because B2B people like didn't think their audience was there. They didn't think it worked. So initially I didn't really care like if I did well on TikTok from like a follower perspective. So like the entertaining content that I created, I created it because I knew it would do really good on LinkedIn because there's none of it there or there wasn't at the time. So like when I started putting that stuff out on LinkedIn, the TikTok strategy was to prove to people that TikTok content can work on LinkedIn so I could grow the B2B marketing audience on TikTok so that we could kind of be at the forefront of growing that community. That's like why the entertaining content started. Once that like happened and like we saw this massive like shift in opinion that like, okay, TikTok doesn't have to be like, like it can be effective. Like we were seeing... Todd Clouser and TikTok showing up in self-reported attribution. So like it can be effective. And then once that became the case, I shifted my TikTok strategy a little bit to be some educational talking head, like type one stuff and some entertaining because the opposite was true on TikTok. Like all my entertaining stuff crushed on LinkedIn, Whereas it didn't on TikTok, but the talking head stuff did really well on TikTok where... Why do you think that is? 
it's that vacuum. It's that lack of content. So like when I first started doing that, there wasn't many B2B people creating like talking head content on TikTok. It was, it was mostly entertaining. There were some people doing it, but it, it wasn't great. They weren't consistent. So they didn't grow. So you didn't get like a lot of it in your feed. But yeah, it's just the inverse effect. On LinkedIn, there's a ton of educational content, not a lot of entertainment, vice versa on TikTok. Okay, I love how you tie that back to your three types and how that kind of tied back into what you were doing at Refine Labs. What would you say are your top one or two creative marketing ideas, either Refine Labs or now that you've been at Lavender, you started up at Lavender, anything that you want to share related to your top like creative ideas? I'll start with Refine Labs. This is more of like a creative strategy perspective rather than just a single idea. So hopefully that counts, but I think this is an unlock for some people. What I would always do, because like every week we had Demand Gen Live and Chris Walker would put out his talking head videos. And everybody else at Refine Labs was super knowledgeable in all of those topics, more so than me. So they would talk in depth about all that stuff. So in order to get like, more visibility on those topics. It may have appeared random in like what I created, but the call it a strategy, call it a cadence, whatever you want to call it, behind my content creation was every single week when we did Demand Gen Live, the clips that got cut up for Chris's talking head stuff, I would pick one of those topics and create an entertaining skit around the exact same topic. So like, again... It's about repetition and it's about hitting people with the same message in various ways so it sticks. Because like if I ask you like, hey, what's your favorite post from LinkedIn last week? I don't know about you. If you ask me that, I have no idea. Your post, Todd, with the entertaining yeah. <laughs> content, duh. No, but you have a great point because really marketing is about repetition. And the hard part is how do you change your message in such a way where you're still repeating, but it's still engaging and valuable and gets people to stick with you? And I think that's really cool that you'd pick one of those, like they went deep into, Chris went deep into certain topics. The team maybe went deep into certain topics. You picked something out. And you went in another direction. You created an entertaining skit about the same sort of topic, but in a different light. Yeah, and I, I don't even think it's about changing the message. It's about changing the delivery of the same message. Yeah, that's right. I think that's awesome. I've talked about this too. So like we talked about series, right? So like what I used to do as well is like I would typically have between two and three series that I would run at the same time. So like worst marketer in the world, if B2B marketing did, if movies were about B2B, like all of those things happened at the same time. So like what I could do is let's say like we want to do the messaging behind that video is like buyers are making decisions in places we can't track. I don't know. Pick a topic. I could insert that exact same message into every single one of my series and every single one of those posts gets just as much or if not better reach than the one before because they're all grabbing your attention because of like the concept that they're being presented through. Yeah, I love that. Your creative brain works in such a way where like you're structured, but you still have the ability to be creative and kind of go in these like funny directions. So you put the two together and you get something pretty cool out of it. In 
the time that we have, we have like one minute left and I, I feel like we haven't even like touched on the surface stuff that I want to talk to you about, but what's your advice for startups that want to push more on the creative side? Any like quick things that you can recommend to startups? The most important thing you can do is one, like identify creative people within the organization that are not on the marketing team. A lot of times like we pigeonhole like creative into the marketing department, but like there are so many, like just go on TikTok, like SDRs, engineers, like every single function within the organization has like these super creative people. I would find one of those people and then make it part of their role to act as a creator manager. So like the way that I describe a creator manager is very much the same as an SDR manager. So like their role, an SDR manager's role is to like ensure that their SDRs are like having good calls, do call reviews, like role plays, like all of those things. The creator manager is the same thing for content creation. So like help people create video, help people come up with like concepts that they can plug in so that creation is easier. And then once you get that rolling, everybody else inside the company sees how like effective it is for individuals and like people start coming to you like, hey, like I want to do that. Like, how do I do that? Yeah, no, I love it. I also believe that there are creative people within the org that are just not being tapped. And just because they're not on the marketing team doesn't mean that they don't deserve to be part of that creative process. So I loved this conversation. I feel like we just scraped the surface, but I still had fun with you, Todd. And um, if anybody wants to find Todd on LinkedIn, you can find him. Just go to Todd Clauser and you can check out Lavender by going to lavender.ai. And it was such a pleasure, Todd. I will be looking forward to your next uh, round of videos and your series and continuing to chuckle and laugh at the ideas that you come up with. I'll let you know when the when the Vikings skit please comes out. Please do, please <laughs> do. Thanks so much, Todd. Thanks for having me, Anna. Thanks for listening to this episode of Modern Startup Marketing. New episodes are dropping weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Anna Firminov, or go to my website, firminovmarketing.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.